Welcome back to Central Banking's Tech Talk podcast series. I am Rachel King and joining me today are two people from the International Monetary Fund's Legal Directorate. I'd like to welcome Akihiro Yoshinaga and Arthur Rossi. Thank you so much for joining me today, both of you. Hi, um, thank you for having me. I'm Akihiro Yoshinaga, a senior consulting counsel in the IMF legal department, and I'm a member of the Central Bank Law Team. Our team does legal policy works such as publishing papers related to central bank law and providing legal technical assistance to the member countries of the IMF. Hi, Rachel. Great to be on the podcast. My name is Arthur Rossi. I am a research officer in the legal department as well, where I provide legal analysis to IMF staff and member countries on financial law, central bank and fintech issues. So for those of our listeners who are wondering why I have legal experts on the podcast today, it's to discuss a paper which was written by Arthur and Akihiro and some of their colleagues um, last year about the legal aspects around central bank digital currency, specifically details around central bank and monetary law. So one of the key findings from the paper was most central bank laws do not currently authorise the issuance of CBDC to the general public. That may come as a surprise to many of our listeners, but before we dive into the detail of the findings, I wondered whether it would be possible to understand some of the motivations behind the paper. So Akihiro, if I could ask you, why did you and your colleagues decide to write this paper and what were the main aims it wanted to achieve? Um, Okay, thank you, Rachel. Um, As often highlighted by central banks and other policymakers, the introduction of CBDC would raise important legal questions Uh, Do central banks have the authority to issue digital currency? Or can CBDC become authorized as real currency? Um, These questions are critical as these touch upon the very fundamental relationship between money, the state, and the law. Uh, These questions also have practical implications as CBDC should have a sound legal foundation to be widely accepted by the public. Without strong legal foundations, the issuance of CBDC could pose legal and financial risks, as well as the risks to the reputations of the central banks. The purpose of our paper is not to advocate the issuance of CBDC. Um, This is a policy matter for each central bank, but to provide an analytical framework to ensure a robust legal basis if CBDC were to be issued. In order to address these questions, we analyze the two most important public law aspects of CBDC, namely the central bank law, which provides legal foundations for issuing money, and the monetary law, which governs the currency system of a jurisdiction. Before we go into in-depth discussion, it's important to keep in mind that economists and lawyers have quite a different definition of money. Economists focus on the substance of money. Money is everything that acts as means of payment, store of value, and unit of account. Uh, This is in a way more broad than the legal definition of money. As lawyers take a more formal view and focus on the legal foundations for the use of money in the jurisdiction, It's the role of the sovereign states to establish its currency system. 
So you mentioned lawyers and economists have a very different definition of what money is. Following on from that, what aspects of a central bank digital currency design did you discover to be most relevant from a legal perspective? Um, yes, um, in order to sharpen our analysis, we divided CBDC into two categories, token-based CBDC versus account-based CBDC. Um, as you may know, in practice, there are multiple ways to design CBDC, um, account-based versus token-based, wholesale versus retail, direct versus indirect, and centralized versus decentralized. Uh, but from a legal perspective, these two categories have the most significant implications. Uh, so what's token-based CBDC versus account-based CBDC? Um, account-based CBDC is not a new form of money. Uh, this is a form of money whose value is recorded in a central bank's books in a digital format. Money is transferred between account holders through debits and credits of the accounts. What makes account-based CBDC different from the current practice is that the central bank allows the general public to open accounts at the central bank. The history of central bank's book money is as old as the history of central banking. Its legal features are well-defined and understood. Um, on the contrary, token-based CBDC is a new form of money, which a central bank issues as a digital token. Simply put, it's like coins and banknotes are converted into a digital form. There is no contractual relationships nor account relationships between the central bank and the token holders. Uh, here, transfer of the token equals transfer of the claim. Um, Token-based CBDC is the one that raises many legal questions. So you've set the scene nicely now. So Arthur, I'm going to turn to you to dive into some of the findings of the paper in a little bit more detail, which we touched a bit at the beginning. At this juncture, do central bank laws allow for the issuance of CBDCs? So first of all, for the listeners, uh, maybe a little bit of background. The central bank laws are the bodies of law that govern all central banks. They frame, amongst others, what a central bank should achieve, what, a tool, what tools a central bank can yield, as well as the basic structure of the central bank. Therefore, the lecture of the central bank laws of the 174 central bank that we have in the IMF membership allow us to assess whether the central bank acts currently permit central banks to issue CBDCs or not. First of all, for the token-based CBDCs, as you said in the introduction, we have concluded that a large majority of central banks today cannot issue a tokenized version of their CBDC, while only a 16% of central banks uh, when we read the act, we could not come to a firm conclusion as to whether the central bank law allowed for such issuance, while for 23% of the central banks out there, uh, the central bank acts did authorize directly the issuance of CBDCs uh, for the tokenized version. For the account-based CBDCs, we have also concluded that, in fact, a large majority of central banks out there 
uh, 85% of central banks concurrently only open uh, their accounts uh, to other banks and therefore could not account open their accounts for general purpose CBDC, where, whereby most of the population will have access to these new means of payment. And however, we saw that only 6% of central banks could directly open uh, those accounts to the general public. Well, for 9% of central banks out there, uh, we were not sure whether a central bank allowed, uh, was allowed to open their accounts to the general public or not. So there seems to be a lot of uncertainty around issuance models, especially for those where the wording is potentially not clear. And there's, there's a divergence between account-based and token-based. So if I'm a central banker, and my bank is potentially one of those that currently the legal framework doesn't allow my institution to issue a CBDC, either account-based or token-based. What changes would need to be made to their legal frameworks? Sure. So actually, uh, the basic legal principle that matters there is the one of attribution of powers, which dictates that an institution can only pursue the activities for which it was created. Therefore, the central bank laws, which list such powers, allowed us to find the different legal impediments that currently exist. An example of an impediment was the payment systems function. Indeed, a couple of central bank acts uh, limited the payment system function only to interbank payment systems, which will not uh, permit the issuance of CBDCs to the general public. As a result of this impediment and a couple others that we did, uh, we wrote in the paper, we have outlined in the paper, how can central banks uh, acts be amended to allow for the issuance of CPDC? Uh, in fact, we concluded that it can be relatively easy to remedy uh, those uh, acts through targeted central bank law reforms. First of all, for token-based CBDCs, uh, we suggested to include an explicit function to issue currency without limiting the issuance of currency to banknotes and coins. While for the associated powers, we suggested that they be drafted with an explicit reference to the issuance of physical, but also digital form of the currency. For account-based CBDCs, the change will be even more straightforward. The amendment would allow central banks to open up uh, their accounts uh, directly to the general public. Now, the paper also takes into account monetary law considerations and whether we can apply currency status to CBDC. So, Akihiro, I wonder whether you can shed some light on this issue. Uh, Rachel, this is a fundamental question. Um, the monetary law provides the legal foundations for the currency system of a jurisdiction. The key question uh, regarding the monetary law is, can CBDC be legally considered a currency? Uh, the short answer is no uh, under current monetary law in most jurisdictions. Why? Um, first, in the majority of jurisdictions, only the physical form of money, banknotes and coins, are authorized to be currency. On the other hand, central bank book money is not currency. In parallel, we see that account-based CBDC, which is basically book money, will not become currency. So um, what about token-based CBDC, which is conceptually a digitalized form of banknotes and coins? Typically, 
um, currency entails five important legal mechanisms. One, the monopoly of issuance by the central bank. Two, cool for say. Three, legal tender status. Four, privileges under private law. And five, protection under criminal law. Uh, we don't go into all the details, but CBDC may not meet, meet some of these criteria to be legally labeled as true currency. I'm glad that you mentioned um, book money, because as you say, it's not technically, I guess, classed as legal tender, but is, is used most within the financial system. So Arthur, based on that, would you say legal tender status is necessary for a CBDC? So actually, thank you for this important question. Um, so what we did there is that in the paper, we used the 19th century state theory of money to define currency as the official means of payment of a state which is recognized as such by law. Basically, is currency what is defined as such by law? That's uh, the message. But um, as a result, legal tender status is a key attribute of currency as it obliges creditors to accept its tendering as a legal means of payment. Therefore, because of this obligation, uh, that is a core attribute of legal tender, it seems that the state can only attribute legal tender status to a means of payment when that instrument is easily receivable by the vast majority of the population. Otherwise, this obligation would be too much of a burden to bear. For instance, for banknotes and coins, it's quite straightforward that they are receivable by everyone because they have a physical form. However, for CBDCs, users on top of that need to have access to digital devices such as smartphones or computers. Therefore, the granting of legal tender status to a CBDC is not necessary nor desirable in countries with a low rate of digitalization. So if we look to the future, because we always like to leave our listeners with uh, food for thought, Akihiro, what needs to change in order for CBDCs to become legal within monetary law if they don't need legal tender status? Um, Arthur explained that legal reform for the central bank law is straightforward. In contrast, monetary law reform poses much more challenging legal questions as well as policy questions. Um, to legally equate token-based CBDC with banknotes, um, to the extent this is even possible, uh, will require significant monetary law reform. Uh, countries need to consider whether CBDC should and could be granted legal tender status. Um, in addition, there are other issues as private law privileges, uh, monopoly of issuance, and so on. Um, that said, not having all features of currency is not a problem per se. Why? Um, because currency is not the only reliable means of payment. In most countries, book money of the central bank and commercial banks do not have the legal status as currency, but are still widely used as reliable means of payment, backed up by a robust legal foundations of its own. So as we come to the end of the podcast, I wondered if I could ask you guys to sort of sum up where you go from here, whether there's more research needed into the legal frameworks of central banks with regards to the changing definition of money? Because you mentioned that 
a lot of documents that you've had to refer to have been historical and perhaps there is a, a need for us to update some of these definitions to allow legal frameworks to also be updated. So I'm going to give each of you a chance to sort of say where you think research should head. Yeah, I'll start. Um, as we discussed today, um, CBDC should have a sound legal foundation and central bank lawyers need to be involved in the designing of CBDC as legal features will have significant implications for the economy and payment system of the countries that issue um, CBDC. Uh, my take on all that is that having analyzed the 174 central bank laws of the membership, really the working paper shows that currently most central banks cannot issue CBDCs. And the IMF stands ready to bridge the legal gap that currently exists between central banks that currently are investigating CBDCs, about 80% of the membership, according to the last BIA surveys, and the ones that currently can issue central bank digital currencies, which is up to 23% of central banks. To align central bank ambition to issue CBDCs with their central bank laws, this will require amendments that we talked about. Therefore, the working paper includes draft language to that, uh, that would provide a sound legal basis and that we recommend central banks to read. Well, I look forward to seeing how your cooperation between your members works, because as you said, there are a large number of central banks that are now actively progressing their research into proof of concepts and experiments. And we've even had our first live launch last year, which I have a feeling the Bahamas will be joined shortly by other countries around the world. But um, I'd like to thank you both for taking the time to talk about your paper today. It's been incredibly insightful. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks to you, Rachel. Pleasure to have you. To our listeners, um, we will be back on the air soon. Thank you.